The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. From the banks of the Charles River, we greet you this morning. From the streets of Boston, the Cradle of Liberty, we greet you this morning. Streets adorned by preaching statues, Phillips Brooks, William Ellery Channing, Abigail Adams, William Lloyd Garrison, Harriet Tubman, and from above the front door of Marsh Chapel, John Wesley, who said, the best of all is, God is with us. The liturgy, music, and homily of this hour, which is meant to begin in delight and end in wisdom, is offered for our summer congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our regular radio community across New England on WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe. We invite your responses, gifts, and participation. We especially invite you to come and worship here with us come Sunday. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us your servant's grace 
by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory, O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, in the confidence of divine love, we pause in prayer to consider ourselves under the aspect of divine love. For we know that the good we would, we do not always do, and the harm that we would not, we often do. We recognize near and far the consequences of greed and arrogance spilling out, leaking out, teeming out all around us, both in nature and history. And we feel sorrow. We truly feel sorry. We know contrition, express compunction, cry out and lament. We admit regret and bow in confession and are confident to do so in the embrace of God's pardoning love. We have been called to be stewards, but our stewardship to this date has been far from perfect. So come Sunday, as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie, we pause and pray, seeking renewal. May we pray. Forgive, O Lord, what we have been. Help us to amend who we are, and by thy Spirit direct what we shall be. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Beloved, hear the assurance of pardon. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The word of the Lord. Let us pray together Psalm 8 with the antiphon. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Glory be to the Lord. 
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Seated. 
One who hears a witness becomes a witness. Professor Ellie Bissell has taught us this at Boston University over many years. To hear a witness is to become a witness yourself. In that sense, every Sunday on which we stand to hear the witness of the gospel, we again become witnesses. We stand up and become upstanding in bearing witness. Our gospel today, the sacramental and hospitable conclusion to the first gospel, that of St. Matthew, addresses us as a community about our witness. What then shall your witness be? To whom, to what? To whom shall you bear witness? As you know, I love the Spanish saying, dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. Tell me with whom you walk, and I will tell you who you are. Bissell again spoke to us this past year, as he has for 34 years at Boston University. He spoke about Deborah, the book of Judges. He spoke that it is about the scripture and about the interpretation of scripture to which we bear witness. He spoke about meaning and justice and truth in our time and all time. He delivered his meditative lecture as a witness to an earlier witness, the witness of Deborah. And think back across this school year now gone by. Around us this past year have swirled other such witnesses. Professors Prothero and Basevich recalled and reflected one evening upon Jonathan Winthrop's famous sermon from the Massachusetts Bay in 1630, a city set on a hill. They were recalling earlier witnesses. Downtown, earlier in the year during the meeting of a civic club, a woman remembered the sermon series on Darwin and faith, which you provided here at Marsh Chapel two summers ago. She was recalling a form of witness. One evening in our Gottlieb Center, four people who were children in Europe in the Second World War gave witness to the searing, tragic experiences of their childhoods and those who helped save them. They were recalling the people who got them to where they are, who got them to whom they are. Various Boston University alumni have appeared to visit us this year and have spent some time in reverie and reminiscence. They have been recalling those who made them the kind of people, the kind of students, the kind of disciples they are. Two visitors brought a video recollection of Howard Thurman, our predecessor here at Marsh Chapel. They recalled his witness. A man wrote from Oregon not long ago remembering a sermon of Thurman's from that era, but he only had the title, Fear Not the Fallow. Did we have a copy? We haven't discovered it yet, but that title pretty much preaches the sermon, doesn't it? A good early summer reminder, fear not the fallow. Our students and staff, including some from Marsh Chapel, have remembered this past year their experiences growing up gay and the fightings without and fears within which they experienced, including those who encouraged and those who sustained them. They were recalling witnesses. In our gospel lesson, St. Matthew 2 offers a word about bearing witness. The original frames the Matthean ex exhortation in the shape of a journey. As you go, make. We hear the gospel and we are reminded, recalled to a rightful mind. We are reminded that we are children of God. The gospel reminds us that the good news is for people, about people, within people, all people. We have rehearsed before us today again the ethic of love in the teaching of the church, the ethic of Jesus in the teaching of the church. In a few minutes, we shall close our service singing a familiar hymn, Go Make of All Disciples. Every hymn has a story. Every hymn is itself a witness. This one was written and first used for a June Sunday service like ours today, back in 1955. It was composed by the minister of University Methodist Church in Syracuse, New York, 
That's 20 years after Norman Vincent Peale had left that pulpit for the pulpit of Marble Collegiate Church in New York City. The hymn was lifted on a day of great celebration with many hundreds of children that Children's Sunday singing their way into the summer with the reminder, as we put it today, as you go, make. Our capacity to understand and then to embody such a gospel and such an ethic depends in a practical way upon those whom we know well enough and admire fully enough to choose as mentors. The Church has recognized this need over the years by remembering in particular particular persons who have led exemplary lives. One tradition may hallow and revere individuals chosen and examined over time. Another tradition may emphasize in the communion of saints the communion more than the individual saints. You may find that there is some wisdom in both. But when we are touched by the communion of saints or by the communion of saints, we are shaped, influenced, changed. Corinthians encourages us to greet one another with a holy kiss, so I blow you a kiss. Such is the embrace of the communion of saints. To hear a witness is to become a witness. Over this past year, it may be for some of you that you have perhaps experienced some loss. The cloud of witnesses to whom you turn in heaven for guidance on earth may have expanded, may have grown. One, only one, part of your work in grieving their loss will evolve through your own assessment of their helpful examples. You will want to find ways to hold up and to hold on to the gifts, graces, and goodness of their lives, now moved from the church militant to the church triumphant as time goes by. Our family joined your grieving in the labors of love when our dad died last June, and the manifold and multiple kindnesses which were extended to us through a season of bereavement, for which we are deeply thankful, have connected us to you one to another in a deep and a personal way. Bereavement is a kind of sacrament. Bereavement is a kind of sacrament. There is a grace, a deep river of grace, running through it all. In particular this year, over this past year, I have been impressed by the memories which men have shared of their own fathers, memories which men have recalled and related concerning the deaths of their dads, of your dads. They come to mind. This is Father's Day. A part of grace and bereavement arises from the communal capacity to remember. As a graduate of the Boston University School of Theology in the class of 1953, my father would appreciate that communal capacity of memory. To hear a witness is to become a witness yourself. The ethic of love in the teaching of the church, the ethic of Jesus in the teaching of the church, becomes personal and real when we, get, we can identify persons who witness to that ethic and that teaching and so teach us how to live. Another generation heard the witness of Earl Marlott, then professor and dean in our Boston University School of Theology, who asked a question and said it to a hymn. Are ye able to remember when the shadows still the master? In the spring of 1973, six freshmen from Ohio Wesleyan University as we have noted before, a small Methodist college for small Methodists, drove a large Oldsmobile in the rain across eastern Ohio and central Pennsylvania, bound for a lake cottage in upstate New York. We had planned to meet my father there for a late dinner and the beginning of a summer break. 
In the rain on Route 80, the car went over an embankment. Passengers and luggage went in all directions. I had been bringing two white lab mice in an open bucket equipped with a drip water dispenser as some sort of gift for my younger sister, Cynthia. And after the crash, the mice were gone, the car was drivable but without windshield wipers, and the six freshmen were rightly frightened. We inched along in the rain in silence. About an hour into the silence, a roommate in the front seat started shouting and screaming at the top of his lungs. At least one of the mice had survived <laughs> and was crawling up his left leg. We inched along in the rain in further silence, one headlight, no wipers. Near dawn, we turned down the camp road to see lights burning and a little smoke coming from the chimney. Dad had paced all night after we had called him to tell him of our delay and greeted us with a fierce joy. He fixed us a lumberjack breakfast, and as we went to sleep, I could see him stoking the fire before going off to work to meet the challenges of 1973 after a sleepless night. Just before dozing off, I heard him singing, every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. That song at the hearth and from the heart still resounds, rings out, true of his life and faith, true of life and faith. It is important for us, for the coming generations, to remember the witness of those who taught us how to be witnesses. Unhappy are those who lose their access to their own best past. So happy are those who gain, find access to their own best past. In that personal song of spirit, experience, and prayer were many of the cherished beliefs and values for which he lived, for which many in his generation lived. Let me name some of them. He and his companions in the ministry lived in the openness, the magnanimous freedom of grace, the freedom for which Christ sets us free, on, we, on which we are to stand fast and not to be enslaved again. He lived convinced of the lasting worth, the ultimate value of persons and personality. He lived and taught that love means taking responsibility. He placed the highest premiums on marriage, family, children, friends. He had a rare, great capacity for friendship. He could be restless with and critical of those perspectives which narrow the wideness of God's mercy. And he could be restless with and critical of those practices in personal and institutional life which did not become the gospel were not becoming to the gospel. He trusted through it all that wherever there is a way, there is Christ. Wherever there is truth, there is Christ. Wherever there is life, there is Christ. He honored his conscience, his own conscience and heart, and he expected others to do the same. The conscience of the believer is inviolable. Many of you remember today those who helped you become who you are, helped you become a disciple. Some with a toughness in love and a love in toughness. And as I heard my father say, somewhere around 1990, in a church meeting along the Mohawk River Valley. Because I am loved, I can love. Given Matthew 28, 16, and given this particular Sunday, and given the venerable pulpit here, the stewardship of which in these years is our shared responsibility, it is fitting to remember his poem about preaching. He wrote, Preaching is not Bible study, but it does require biblical understanding. 
Preaching is not theology, but there must be some theology in it. Preaching is not biography, but it does require an understanding of people. Preaching is not teaching, but it is instructional. Preaching is not social ethics, but it must point to social responsibility. Preaching is one vehicle God has chosen that can grow life. Preaching is humbling, frightening, and rewarding. As you probably suspect, I strongly believe these words fit more than preaching. They really ask us about our witness to what most matters, counts, lasts, and works. They ask us about our journey in faith. As you go, what? Does your way of living have some root and grounding in ancient, holy, inspired scripture? Well then, as you go, read the Bible some and set an example for those growing up to become students, that is, disciples, with you. Does your way of living, your going as you go, afford a place for thoughtful reflection, for putting things in the light of divine love? Well then, as you go, you might want to share your regard for thoughtful living, for theological reflection, and so set an example for those growing up to become students, that is, disciples, like you. Does your path, your journey, involve some other interesting people? Some colorful characters? I hope so. Tell their stories to those you are making disciples as you go. Does your own experience leave you with something to pass on to others? Some life learning? Well then, as you go, find some creative ways to leave a trail of breadcrumbs for others to follow too. Does your way of living in faith bear the weight of responsibility we share for the common good? What about justice and mercy and humility? Do you have a cause or three? like refugee resettlement or employment for all or care for those in military service, well then, as you go, let others know about it. On this Father's Day, to conclude, is your way of living a kind of living that grows life for others and sets an example that is humbling, challenging, and rewarding? As my Marine friend John White says, leadership is example, period. As you go, as you go, make of all disciples. Amen.
Please be seated. As we are called to prayer by the singing of Lead Me, Lord, we invite you to pray in the way that you are so moved to best support the prayers of this community. Please stand or kneel at the altar rail, raise your hands in place, respond in your first language, however you are moved by the Spirit. I will set the intention and will say, in your grace, if you would please respond, hear our prayer. Dearly beloved, let us pray together. who are one, you who are three, one God in perfect community. We who are created in your image are glad and grateful for your presence with us as source of all life and Christ and spirit, for your encouragement by your gifts and fruits in our lives, for your empowerment to grow in love and to choose the good. In your grace of invitation and inclusion, we pray. For ourselves, as individuals and for the communities of which we are a part. For our particular ministries in the world. For our ministry in and through Marsh Chapel and the Office of Religious Life. For the work of all the church. In your grace, Hear our prayer. With and for our cousins and neighbors in faith traditions not our own, and with and for all people of goodwill, for the works of blessing, courage, and peace in and through us all, for the life of the world. In your grace, hear our prayer for the nations and peoples of the world, for the leaders amongst them, and for the ways of peace amongst us all. In your grace, hear our prayer. For creation, for our earth and air and water, for our companion animals and plants. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those individuals and communities who face particular challenges of mind, body, spirit. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those who have died, for their family and friends, for your will fulfilled in them, and for our sharing with all your saints in the life to come. In your grace, hear our prayer. For the celebrations and joys of our human life. In your grace, hear our prayer. In all these things we pray in trust, as you pray with us in your compassion too deep for words. And now continuing in our prayer together, as our Lord Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. My name is Elizabeth Fomby Hall. I'm the Director of Hospitality here at Marsh Chapel. Just want to say good morning and welcome. Um, first, I'd like to direct your attention to the red books, which can be found along the center aisle at the end of each pew. If you just take a moment to fill those out so that we at Marsh Chapel can get to know you better and so that you can also get to know the names of those who are seated next to you, that would be wonderful. If you'd like to listen to the service at a later point, um, you can always listen to the podcast, which is posted on our website, which is www.bu.edu chapel. The link to our podcast can be found on the homepage and is usually available a few hours after the service. Also on our website can be found the audio and the sermon text for each sermon each week. And there's also the opportunity for online giving. If you listen from afar and are interested in joining us in person, then you can um, take a look at our website for more details on free parking that's available each Sunday, as well as childcare. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
give us every good and perfect thing. Bless and multiply our offerings, we pray, that the giving may become receiving, and the receiving may become giving. In the name and mission of Jesus Christ, and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. Mm -hmm. 